Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. Yeah, this is an exciting couple weeks for us, three weeks. Uh, next three Sundays, you're going to meet uh, various missionaries that we partner with. And when you give, like when you give and you give to missions, um, that money is going to support a lot of the, all the missionaries that you're going to meet these next three Sundays. So it's just going to be a, a, an awesome time for us uh, these next three weeks. They're going to be out, and we have people at, out at the booths that you can talk to. And in your, when you came in, you got this handout that gives you some opportunities. You can see the mission trips that we have planned uh, already for the summer and the fall. You can see ways you can sponsor a child or sponsor ministries. And as well, you'll see some um, Union Gospel Mission events that we have scheduled, and you're going to hear a lot about that today. In fact, that's going to be the first uh, ministry you're going to hear a little bit about is Union Gospel Mission, so watch this video, and we'll go. Nothing was more important than crack cocaine to me. Yeah, I love my family, but I want to crack more. Drug and alcohol was really a problem. There was always something empty and a void that, you know, just getting higher, you know, and thought that that would kind of make me feel a little better about me. I had dropped out of college. I ventured out to L.A. and I was out on the streets there and just doing anything to make money, you know, just hanging out with people that really wasn't doing much. I stumbled up on a recruiter's office on Hollywood Boulevard. I was in the Army for uh, two years. They gave me a general discharge because the uh, drug and alcohol problems. So I moved to Texas with my grandmother and I started using crack, and there it went. You know, it was an instant love affair. All I wanted to do was, you know, just pursue the drug. From the time I was 26, I was almost 49 years old, you know, and I knew that that wasn't gonna be uh, a long life. I was on East Lancaster for maybe, maybe a month. I knew that this was an area where I could blend in and, you know, kind of hide myself because I was kind of just real depressed and dejected about what I've done. And I started just drinking around that area and doing drugs and stuff like that. And I was afraid. I was afraid that, you know, that I was slipping into darkness. Psalm 34 and 2. It says, uh, I cried to the Lord, and he delivered me from all of my fears. I was uh, sleeping right next to the men's building, and I was scared that night. And I just, you know, just asked God to Lord, I, you know, you're going to have to come down here, and you're going to have to save me because I can't save myself. And God used the vehicle of UGM to kind of find a lost sheep. Once I got in the program and I started meeting some of my case managers and some of the mentors. I seen caring and respect and, you know, they were showing me things that I needed at that time of my life. That kind of made me realize just, hey, you know, I have to shape up and uh, get with the program. Start building my inner man up and really searching for God. Union Gospel Mission of Tarrant County is not just a homeless shelter. It's a program that works with individuals who have experienced various different kinds of losses and difficulties that have caused them to experience homelessness. 
So individuals will come here and be part of our programs to work on their health, their physical health, the mental health, the spiritual health, and to develop the coping skills necessary to live a sustainable, independent life beyond being here at the mission with us. For almost two years, I volunteered after I had, you know, uh, graduated the program here. I had a strong support group that would encourage me, and I just hung in there. Some months and months later came, and there was an opportunity where I filled out an online application, and uh, Ron called me in for an interview. I came here to work at UGM. I was just so excited to, you know, be a part of this mission, going out seeking the lost, you know, because I was lost, you know, and, uh, and and I know how it feels to be lost and to be without and to and to be wearied and, and lonely, and I knew that you know people they need care and, and love, you know, affirmation that there there there's a hope, you know, that there's hope. Johnny really serves as a role model. He is somebody who really can identify with the resident. He's been there. He knows what they've experienced. He understands the pitfalls and the trappings that go along with having to be on the street for an extended period of time. And because of that experience, he's been able to turn that into a position of being a mentor to others, to basically show them, yeah, you can do it. Seeing somebody like Johnny is what this job is all about. If we do the work and we put the time into an individual, wonderful things can happen. Johnny is an example of that. God put a precious treasure in the earthen vessels, you know, and I'm just a, a broken old vessel, you know, but, but what's inside of me is precious, and that's the Spirit of God. If it wasn't for Union Gospel Mission, things would be real bad in my life, and I just thank God that He's really just made my life wonderful. I just have a great life right now. My name is Johnny Parker, and I'm a mission support supervisor here at UGM. Wow. And that's just one of the stories that happened at UGM. This is Dean Reed, and um, Dean kind of um, helps facilitate everything we do down at Union Gospel. And I guess it's about 2004, uh, Dean and I were in a men's group called Top Gun here, and uh, he and Chuck Combs, I think, were looking for a place to serve, just to do something, and found Union Gospel and took some clothes down there, and then we've just been involved the last 15, 15 years or so. So tell us a little bit, now you're more involved. Dean, tell us a little bit about UGM and your involvement, and just we'll share some statistics with everyone. Yeah, by the way, uh, the Johnny video, he works for us still, so you can go down there today, and Johnny will give you the biggest man hug you've ever had in your life. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's who he is. Um, we got involved in 2004, as Dave said, and it started just me meeting a guy named Don Schistler, who's the CEO. He was the CEO back then. He's been the CEO at Union Gospel Mission for the last 25 years, and so Don's pretty committed, as you can tell. Um, but Bottom line, uh, we got involved and we found out some things. So before I get started about UGM, if you don't know anything about UGM, I'm going to give you a quick three-minute summary. Stand up if you've ever volunteered and been down to UGM. Stand up. We had about 60 people in the first service. Wow. Look around. Wow, so that's great. if you know somebody here, ask them what they've done at UGM, and I think they're, they're your best testimony. So yeah. I, I could tell you all how good it is, but ask them. So bottom line is, uh, how do you get involved? We have plenty of opportunities to get involved. 
um, the bottom line is um, this week I was in Chicago at a training course with my managers and we went through the Gallup survey, uh, the Gallup people who do surveys, right? And their mantra is this, followers of anything want four things from their leadership or their leaders in, in whom they work with, whether it's church or work. And UGM follows this, it's trust, it's stability, it's compassion, and then hope. So when you think of trust, stability, compassion, and hope, I would say that summarizes UGM. Um, So some statistics, so you just know what we do at UGM. Uh, I'm now involved heavily with their Healing Shepherd Clinic. I run that for them. I'm in healthcare, so it was a natural fit for me. But you can see we provided 423,000 services. That's caseworkers, social workers, meals, chapel services. Whatever we make contact with a person, we consider that a service. So well over almost to the half million point. 232,000 meals last year at a pretty good cost of 223 a meal. That's pretty affordable because of our donations. Target's a big sponsor of us. Uh, 120 program graduates, just like Johnny. Uh, 120 people uh, last year graduated and got back on their feet, got a job back in society doing their thing, whatever they're, they're doing. The year before that, it was 179. And this is really important. Um, 36,000 hours of volunteer time by 2,650 volunteers. That's crucial for us because when we fill out grants and look for monies, the first question they ask us on your statement is, how many volunteer hours do you get people to help you uh, willingly and openly without being paid for it? And that's a lot of work. Uh, On the Healing Shepherd Clinic side, that's a clinic that we use to take care of our people physically. So UGM sponsors a real simple mantra, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. We try to get the individual back on their feet. Physically, some of these people have not seen a a healthcare provider in years. Um, We've now got 12 volunteer physicians who donate all of their time for free. I pay a couple of nurses to run the clinic during the week, but 12 volunteer physicians come down and give of their time, and that ranges uh, from all over specialties. We do it at a cost of about $40 a visit. So almost 7,000 patient visits last year for 40 bucks. That'll beat any healthcare plan you're on in, in, in your current situation. Um, 115,000 people attend chapel services. Before we f- feed anybody physically, we feed them spiritually, and so they must go to chapel. Uh, it's a 30-minute chapel service before every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, 365 days a year. And we added 90 alpha, uh, uh, 91 chaplain leaders last year. And then last but not least, as part of the spiritual, on Thursday nights we do a program called Alpha, and that's where this church has really gotten plugged in. And Dave yeah, that's one thing it's on your list that you can get involved in. Um, we've worked out with Union Gospel Mission that we, uh, they're allowing us to um, have people go down there from Hillside to do these alpha observation nights. And you could have, I think we're, have two men and two women, and we've got nights coming up on Thursday night where you can go down there and be with an alpha leader uh, and, and walk around and see what's being done. And the alpha, again, is their discipleship program on Thursday night. So you see the worship that they do, the discipleship program they do, and then hear from the alpha leaders and meet some of the residents. So if that would be something you would be interested in, you can go back um, to the table. Um, there's also lady craft nights, because you'll hear this word a lot these next three weeks, and it's called relationships. Because our missions, God's orchestrated all the relationships we have in missions, and it's all been a focused relational approach. And just, you know, we always say 90% of the battle is just going. And if you go down there and be open to what God's going to do, God will, will work and show up. But it's all about being there and being willing to have God 
um, connect those relationships. So if that's something you're interested in, there's other ways that you can volunteer or get involved, you can stop back here and, uh, and, and talk to someone back at the table after the service. So Dean, I appreciate, yep, could you give welcome. Dean a hand? Thank I appreciate you. him doing that. Well, the next ministry we want to um, share with you is a little bit um, a ministry that our student ministry really leads, and that's down in San Antonio. I remember when I became the youth pastor here in 2000, believe it or not, um, you know, one of the first things we did with Steve Sellner is we went down to uh, San Antonio and met with, actually, Mr. Your Dad, um, Edgar Ackerman, and uh, sit down with him and eat puffy tacos in San Antonio. I can still remember it. And sat down with Pastor Joe and began to think about how could we get our students involved in San Antonio. And what God's done these last 19 years is pretty phenomenal. So watch this video and then they'll come up and share. We are one. 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 We're Echo. We are Echo. We are Echo. We are Echo. We are Echo. And we are Echo. We are one and we are Echo. We are one and we are echo. Hey, Hillside. What is mind blowing to me is that Dave was a student pastor at some point. Like, Dave is just too old to be a student pastor. I don't know. Mind-blowing, all right? But this is Lydia. I'm Mike. We're student pastors here at Hillside now, and uh, we have some unbelievable men, you know, that are with us up here on the stage. Alex at Life Restored Ministries, which is a, a recent ministry that we partner with uh, the last couple of years, and then Pastor Jason uh, over at Agora Ministries. And, uh, you know, when we're, when we're thinking through mission trips and student ministry, I mean, it's something that is, is so important to us, is we are dealing with probably, arguably, the most selfish demographic of society. And we're asking them in a few years, we're asking them in a few years to become fully functional adults. And what I love about God's kingdom is that when you attach yourself to it, he gives you all the purpose you need. And he takes away that selfishness and says, okay, start working for his kingdom. Start thinking of other places. And so as much as it's awesome to, to see uh, the ways that, that we're able to impact San Antonio and just partner with these guys when we're down there, uh, we get to see God's spirit really move in our students as well. And, uh, and them start being more in tune with the kingdom-mindedness that God wants them to have. And so, Alex, would you mind just kind of, we'll start with you, would you mind just kind of letting everybody know what you do, updates on what's been happening this last year, maybe what you guys are thinking about doing in the future, and then we'll give Jason a shot. Yeah, just, um, man, thank you guys for having me. Romans 15, 33, 
Pastor Pete, the whole freaking Hillside staff, Dean Reed, you know, I came down to you with joy and that I also may be refreshed by you. And so it's always refreshing to come down here, man, and just to hang out with you guys. It truly is, man. I always go back fired up, you know, coming down here does more for me than, than uh, personally on a personal level. And man, so we're in San Antonio, uh, 78207. Uh, I was born and raised on the inner city, west side. And uh, we started our church there because God said, I want you to go back from where I pulled you out of and show the people what a life transformed by Jesus Christ looks like. So I went against all logic, right? Man, if there's anything I got to say real quick, these three things, God speaks, I listen, and I obey. And I think that's the Christian blueprint and the Christian plan. And if every single one of us just follows those three things, God, when you speak, I'm going to listen, and then I'm going to obey despite fear, despite anything. We truly, as Christians, can be the light of the world and change the world. And so just from that, man, we're we're serving 400 meals a week to the homeless, showers to the homeless. Um, we're starting up a, a ministry with Stitch Ministries that's going to teach the homeless how to get jobs, mock interviews, interview training, and they have a network of employers that will hire them. And then after that, we're doing an eight-week class, Faith and Finances. And uh, man, we're just out there, man, six days a week, eight times uh, we're serving the homeless. Uh, There's some of our guys right there, man. Uh, uh, See the smile on that guy right there? Man, hope Through hope, 15 homeless in three years have gotten saved off the street, gotten jobs, and gotten into their own place by hope. But not hope just one time, hope consistently. Consistency leads to life transformation, and that's the key, and that's what we've seen, man, through the hope of Christ, and every single one of you has that. Every of you have Christ in you, we have that power to do that, and that's uh, just kind of it, you know, in a nutshell. (laughs) (laughs) Jason, while you share something Well, Hillside, my name is Jason Brooks I'm the director of Agora and lead pastor there I just want to first off say thank you Um, As you were mentioning, nearly 20 years You guys have been coming down, serving Uh, There are so many lives changed Kids that we picked up from the worst situations That your outreach that you help us do Created the relationship And their lives are truly different because of it And thank you, Hillside, you're part of that Um, Agora Ministries, inner city ministry. We're serving the west side of San Antonio. It's lowest income, lowest fed, highest violent crime. I can tell you all these statistics, um, but it's one of the, it's the rough area of our city. It's the, it's the, it's the area where you see the most issues that you'll see in our city. But what's exciting is I feel blessed because I've been actually serving down there 23 years, the last five full time. I've just got to be see God do incredible things and seeing life change. And I tell you, I, I just, I feel like it's the coolest job in the world being able to see God do miraculous things. And I'll tell you a quick story. Um, two weeks ago, this last Wednesday, um, I'm, I'm taking some donors. I'm showing them around the property. We're talking about, we're doing some building and they're going to actually be, um, um, they're, they're the main people behind this, this, this new uh, building project we're about to do. And uh, we're standing outside and all of a sudden there's this car driving down the street. A guy jumps out of the car while it's driving, runs to us. Uh, there's a big cross in front of our building and, uh, and we're standing there and he runs to us and he's all gangster looking, tatted out, rough looking, just that, t- you know, uh, and uh, he runs over and he says, are you guys men of God? Are you guys men of God? I need prayer. I need prayer. The next three hours, we spend time with him and, and, his, and his girlfriend and their child. And um, as we're talking to him, we find out he's been in and out of dealing with some drug issues. 
But he said, I know God spoke to me that I either have to go to him or I'm not going to make it past this next couple of days. And he said, I need help. He literally jumped out of the car seeking God. Fast forward, uh, uh, we go to his house because it's a, it's a place of oppression for him. He is, he is absolutely having demonic influences in his life. But we are sitting there, we're going to his door. He can't even open his door. Not because of drugs, because literally he can't even walk. It's like there's a weight on him. We go in his kitchen and we are praying over him. And I just feel like the Lord just said, you need to ask him this. And so I looked at him and I said, I said, you need to give me those drugs, don't you? And he stopped and he all of a sudden, just like almost like a baby collapsing, just in tears, just like a weight all over him. But finally he got up and I ended up having a, a, a giving me a, a, a bottle of pills and a, ba- a bag of crystal meth. And at that moment, when he handed that over, literally a release came over him. A joy came onto his face. It was like letting go of that God before him. And we got to pray. Um, and then what's cool is I got to co- the last couple of weeks we've been going back. We're going to pick up his daughter for kids ministry, his family for our family ministries at our, at our church. And just being, he is literally was a different man, sane, joyful. And I tell you that to say this, guys, God is real. And if we will step out and just be what God has called us to be, he will create opportunities for us to share his love and to see life change. And it's exciting to be able to do that in the inner city of San Antonio. Yes. Yes, we feel, me, Mike, but also our student ministry, every year we go, the, the stories that come back, not only from the life change that's happening in y'all's ministries, but the life change that happens to our students and to our leaders, there's nothing like it. So it's a huge blessing. I know that you say that Hillside is a blessing to y'all, but I'm telling y'all, y'all are on the front lines. So whenever someone's sitting out here right now and they're wondering, okay, my heart is beating faster for this. We want to be a part of what you're doing. What is, what is something that we can do while we're here in Keller to support y'all best where you're at? So this is to both of y'all. Man, I'm just trying to get my arms bigger than Pastor Pete's. Uh, but <laughs> Man, you guys got a... <laughs> Every time I'm there, I'm like sizing them up. Man, I still got a ways to go, but we're... <laughs> but, uh, but you know, we got so for the first time ever, right? And you know, like, man, hearing that testimony, 19 years in, I'm like, wow, what, what a blessing, man. We're the babies on the block, right? Like three years in, but I'm looking forward to having that same testimony and growing with you guys as a church in that way. And so, man, so for the first time. We got some brochures made for Life Restore Church. <laughs> Normally, I'm just there standing. Hey, man. Uh, and, and Dean Reed helped us out with the design. So, man, you know what? I would just say go out there, grab a, a brochure that I'm kind of proud that we, you know, we finally got done. And if God speaks, please listen and, pl- and please obey and find out how you can help through that brochure. Thank you, guys. Amen. Uh, I would add uh, um, prayer, honestly. I know it sounds like missionaries come up, pray for us, but I'm going to tell you right now, some the situations we deal with, the families, the kids that you see, the stories they go through, it is only by prayer and by the Spirit of God that things get broken. And so please be praying for us. Um, secondly, financial support, which your church has supported us as a church for many years. Guys, we could not do it without. We're serving the poor. I mean, they cannot support us by what they don't give. We're really helping and supporting them. So it's outside support like churches like you guys and individuals that actually allow us to do this 
this on a, on a, on a regular basis. And then lastly, I just really want to encourage you guys. Some of you might say, I don't really have any extra finances. And I'm going to tell you, use your gifts for God's glory. We've got a kids building. We have a secondary outreach campus that, we, that God has actually paid off by his amazing grace. But uh, um, we have still work we're having done on it. We've got guys that are coming out uh, donating their, their plumbing skills twice a week on a half a day Saturday. It is doing stuff we could not do. Electricians, guys that work with wood, whatever God has skilled you in, use it for the glory of God. And, 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 and if you were able to do that with us or with another ministry, Ministry, please do that. But those are different ways you can give. And thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And both of them, uh, Alex and Jason, are going to be out in the community space afterwards. If you want to compare your arm size to Alex, uh, he'll be out there, pick up one of his newly made brochures. <laughs> uh, and, and then if you have any questions as a parent or a student, and maybe you've been hearing about the mission trips that we go on, and yet you've never been able to, or you've never wanted to, uh, we would love to figure out a way to make that work for you. And so if you have any questions as a parent, uh, or you just want to know more as a student, you can go out to that booth as well and, and uh, you know, be able to ask some questions out there after service. So we're going to dive back into Pastor Pete uh, this morning and, and finishing up our series, uh, but please continue the next couple weeks, come out as we talk about more mission opportunities. Thank you, guys. Those guys, <laughs> they are amazing. I mean, isn't it incredible to have two guys like that in, the, in one of the, the poorest zip code in all, of, in, in all of the nation right there with those guys? It's just fantastic to have them there. Uh, two nuts for God. That's what we got right there. It's awesome. All right, so we're in the uh, uh, final, really, installment of this series that we have been in uh, called If Not Now. And uh, really ordained from beginning to end, I think, by God in a way that just beyond any of us could have, um, could have, could have done ourselves. And to have it really launched in the series the way we're going to, and to have it launch Missions Week is, you know, we're just grateful to God the way it's overlapping. Uh, so we learned last week, just to catch you up a little, uh, that the heart never lies and it's, it's where God looks. It's where God's going to look to see who you are, who you're becoming. Because we said the heart is at the center of transformation. You're going to do what you desire and treasure and love and crave the most. Uh, and so David invited God to search his heart. Because he said, if we're going to live forever with him, and we ought to be concerned about the things that concern him and that are going to matter forever. So we asked a question last week, can you test the heart? Like, could you somehow really get a handle on where your heart is at? An accurate assessment, something like a printout. And I showed you this little printout that I got from uh, this active metabolic assessment that I did um, a couple months ago now, uh, 
it was a great test to just, and it gave me all kinds of information, printed out all kinds of data on me, comparative things, uh, what, what I ought to do, what my sweet spot and burning calories and fat and all that kind of stuff. It was really just a helpful, uh, very helpful tool, how to avoid uh, heart disease in, in my situation and what I, what I can do and how often I ought to do it, just that kind of information. So it was very, very helpful. Uh, and so you say, well, could I, is it possible to get a spiritual printout? of my heart and would I want that um, and I think it's possible to explore that we started looking at it last week and we're going to look at it again because here's what Jesus says where your treasure is there's your heart where your treasure is that's where your heart is so Jesus uh, puts these two together and they're inextricably linked and you can't pull them apart so Jesus says just look at the money in your life. Look at your money. Uh, then you wonder why Jesus talked about it so much. It's because it's such a revealer of the heart. Jesus just didn't ask people for money. He just said, look where your money's going and you'll know where your heart is. Uh, it's the single best way. I think someone, someone, uh, I read said your your bank statement is is an autobiography, and a spiritual autobiography, um, according to Jesus. So, with that said, uh, we looked at Matthew six. We began to look at it, and we said that there were sort of if you're going to make if you're going to take this assessment, there's three parts to it. There's a pretest, there's a test, and then there's a post test. So the pretest. Uh, Jesus gave us because that's what happened to me when I got done. They sit down with you and they tell you what they're going to do and you, you get a little intimidated by it. Then you take a test. You know, it's not an easy test. It's going to stretch you a little bit but it'll give you the information if you'll hustle. And then at the end they sit down with you and give you the readout, give you some practical advice. And that's kind of what Jesus does in Matthew 6. The pretest, as we looked at last week, uh, Jesus says there's two kinds of treasures. There's an earthly treasure and a heavenly treasure. It's two different kinds. And then he says two things about those, sort of to prepare you for the test. The first thing he says is, it's very possible that you don't see those two very clearly. You don't distinguish them well enough. So this is your eyes, as he brings up the eyes and your ability to see those two. And there's a lot of people who think they see, but they don't see the difference between those two. And one of the ways you know that you see the difference in the text that we saw was whether you're generous or stingy. It'll tell you real quickly whether you see the difference between those. Uh, and then the second thing he said about that, which and he just took it as far as you can take it, he said, you can't serve God of money. And so immediately Jesus pushes this as far as to the issue of worship. Not just to the issue of can you see well, but to the issue of literal worship, like something you're choosing as a God and you may not even realize it. If you're not really distinguishing those very clearly, you could be worshiping it and not know it. So he personifies money to make it a personal and a spiritual issue. Uh, and it's, and we said last week, it's very possible that you don't even consider money a spiritual issue at all. You never factored into your spiritual life truly. 
Which for Jesus, that would be crazy according to what he is saying. Um, And if you've figured out a way, you may have figured out a way to divorce treasure in the heart. You may have just figured out a way to just put your finances over here and your heart over here spiritually. And Jesus says, that can't be done. And Jesus says, you can't imagine, or Dallas Willard, remember I said last week, Dallas Willard said, you can't imagine God would endure that. And so maybe to put it in the way that is, maybe you hear it the best of what Jesus is saying, if, if he's not first in your finances, he's probably not first in your life. Maybe you have to hear it that way to know. So that's sort of the pretest. So Jesus is preparing you. Those are just the facts about eternal treasures, whether you see it and what you're worshiping. Okay, you ready for the test? And then you say, okay. When they told me what the test we were going to take, and he just says, get ready. And we got on that thing, and we did it, and it was not an easy test. It was a little bit painful. And so uh, here's what Jesus says if you're going to take the test. Here's the first thing he says. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you'll eat or, or drink, nor your body, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Because is not life more than food? and the body more than clothing. So the first thing Jesus is going to bring up is this whole idea of worry and anxiety. And then he's going to bring up another thing. Uh, he's going to say, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. So the second thing has to do with priorities. So if you want to sort of look at the test, see what it looks like, it looks just like this. Anxiety and priority. All you got to do is look to see what, what you're concerned about, what are you concerned about, and what are your priorities financially. And the one leads to the other. So your concerns drive your priorities. So you could look at your priorities and you'd know what your concerns are. You could look at your concerns and easily determine what your priorities are. And you should notice that there is a negative prohibition here. This is the don't. Don't be anxious, he says. But do seek the kingdom first. There's your positive one. The two sides of the same coin. They go together. What you worry about, you prioritize. What you concern yourself with, you prioritize. And uh, so here's, I want you to see this link even clearer. Because Matthew, or the, the few verses later, that he puts them together. And he says, do not worry then saying what you will eat. So here's your anxiety. What you will drink or what you'll wear. For the Gentiles eagerly seek those. So there's your connection. Two sides of the same coin. How do you know they're worried about it? Well, that's what they seek. And he brings up the Gentiles. And this is, this is the... Sort of the New Testament way of describing the person who's not converted, the person who doesn't know God. People who don't know God seek these things because it's what concerns them. So Jesus is trying to alert the reader, the one who's taking the test, what concerns you because that's what you seek. And here's Jesus' point in saying it and saying it this way, bringing up a group of people who don't even know him because Jesus is trying to say, people who know me They have a whole new world open to them. 
All of a sudden, heavenly treasures exist. They're an option for people who know me. I've, I've broadened their horizons if they're in my kingdom. I've made available to them lasting treasures. So you're no longer stuck in this reality, only concerned about this life. You're not bound to its values. And so Jesus is going to say, you're perfectly safe in my kingdom to pursue heavenly treasures. You're perfectly safe in my kingdom to pursue heavenly treasures. Now, Jesus will make that point, and I'm not going to go through it, but you know the story. If you've read Matthew 6, you know Jesus is going to bring up two things. He's going to bring up birds and flowers. It doesn't sound at first like incredible counseling, right? It doesn't sound incredible. Uh, you know, maybe you're not a, a bird guy. Like, I'm not a, I, I live in Hazlitt where we have like crows that are falcons, basically. They're huge. It could carry you away. So I'm not a bird, you know, I'm not looking at the birds for advice. All right? They're scary. Maybe birds scare you. I got a bird fear. But Jesus is saying, if you look at the birds, what is he trying to say by these two images? Because he's going to bring up the flowers too. This is a great picture here. The, the, the birds sort of picture provision. They don't work, but they eat. I provide it for them every day. And so the first picture of the birds, Jesus is saying, you got to trust me, I'll, I'll provide. This is the issue of security. All right, then the flowers is a little different issue because Jesus brings up the grass of the field that's going to wither. It's not going to last long. It's going to die. Despite the fact that it's going to die, I still pretty it up by putting beautiful flowers in it. And this is sort of the idea of dealing with, you know, what, what, what do I think makes my life look good? You know, here's where I find my security, but in here I'm going to find my significance. What makes me feel significant? Where do I, you know, where do I get my self-esteem built? What do I got to buy? What do I got to own? What do I got to have to feel good about myself? And in both of these images become the spiritual issue of the day. It's the reason why you bring up money because when we bring up money, we're going to eventually get to this spiritual root. What gives you security? And what gives you significance? And Jesus is saying, you know, you can have a kind of beauty that's not attached to things. Can you imagine having the kind of life that's where, where, you're, where your whole self-esteem and who you are is not caught up in what you do or do not have? There's something beautiful about that. That's what Jesus said. So it really does become an absolute spiritual issue immediately when you take this test. Because I've added him to my life, I care about different things. And it may be that you don't feel safe with him. 
You may be living the kind of life right now and your money would prove it, that you don't feel safe with him and you don't feel significant. That's a spiritual problem. You know, I uh, gave this, I gave the talk last week to sort of and brought all this stuff up. And the next day, I got an email from a family that had been in the hillside for a long time but then moved away. And uh, it was very confirming because they're not here, they're not part of the series, they haven't been listening to the series. It was just out of the blue, the very next day, on this very topic. He said, um, he said I need to, need to bring up um, our financial world to you. He said, uh, you know, most couples get married and at least one of them knows how to handle money, but that didn't happen for us. We're both scatterbrained, lack focus, and have never been able to rein in money. We've tried counseling and meds. (laughs) It's on the verge of destroying our marriage. In fact, it probably already has, and we're facing foreclosure on top of that. It's literally snowballed over the course of our marriage. We've become reactionary when it comes to money. I've learned, in fact, I call it, I actually call it something, balance-based spending. If there's a balance in the bank, we swipe the card. Now things have become hell. We withdraw from one another and we even hide how bad the situation is from one another. And like most financial disasters, he says, high debt with nothing to show for it. And then he goes into the, what it's doing to him. It's depressing him. And just internally and spiritually and relationally and every other way, just sucking the life right out of him. And he asked me what I would do. And so I thought about it for a little while and shot back an email to him. But the first thing I said to him, it's got to be a spiritual issue first. It's a spiritual thing first. Doesn't matter what your personality is, doesn't matter if you um, understand finances, if you've ever been to an economics class or anything. It's less about your personality and less about that. And it's first about spiritual things that make you want to get your house in order on this topic. Um, so that, that's the test. What do you care about? And what are your priorities? Uh, what does it mean for the priorities? What does it mean to seek first the kingdom? And we need to explore that as we're sort of understanding this test because here, here's what we're basically asking. Uh, what's at the top of your list? Uh, what, do you, what do you quickly take care of? Uh, what, what do you... What are you investing? Those kinds of questions. Where does your money go effortlessly? And the word anxiety, you know, just to take us all the way back to the beginning of this series, when we looked at Mary and Martha. Remember Martha's cooking in the kitchen and she's distracted by so many things. She comes out and she's mad at Mary for not helping her in the kitchen and Jesus looks at her and says... Martha, Martha, Martha. You're distracted by too many things. It's the same word as anxiety here. 
Anxiety just distracts you. You, 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 you can't see and because you're anxious, because you're not trusting God for security and significance, you're blinded to the treasures that are in heaven and you, and you miss it. You're, that's the idea. And you, then you become a person in the kingdom, you're lost, well, you're walking around lost in the kingdom. Jesus is saying, seek the kingdom first, and many of us are lost in it. Remember we were talking about being a local in the kingdom? You know, you move into a new area, and you get around, and you want to find out where, where, where the best coffee is, and where should you do your banking, and what gyms are available, and what, where's the church is like, and you want to get to a place where you know where to go and what to do, and people, guests come into town, you know exactly where to take them because you're familiar with it. A lot of us are like tourists in the kingdom. We have no idea. We don't even speak the language of the kingdom. Jesus said, I want you to become well acquainted with it, not distracted by everything. And so if you take that test and you're like, oh, well, what concerns me? I got concerns and probably... This is dictating my priorities. And then you take this post-test, which I really think grows out of uh, this term here, at least this word, seek first the kingdom and what priority is. What if, what's it gonna look like if you do that? So you sit down with a guy, you, yeah, you got concerns and you got priorities out of whack. What, what do we do now? Well, I think there's two things and I just wanna give those to you pretty quickly. I think you need to do the math and embrace the mystery. So let me tell you what I think that looks like. Uh, do the math is sort of an idiom, idiomatic phrase. We use it to confront people with reality. Hey, bro, do the math. I mean, this isn't going to work out well. You need to know how this, you need to face reality. That's the phrase. Uh, and I think Jesus is saying the same thing by using the word by using the idea of priorities in a person's life because he's basically saying like the heart doesn't lie, guess what else doesn't lie? The numbers. The numbers don't lie. Bob Sullivan wrote a book called Stop Getting Ripped Off. I read it years ago. Uh, he says Americans stink at math. They have a numeric dysfunction. And it's true. I mean, how many of us went through school and we were saying, so, yeah, I didn't have a pension for math. It just wasn't my thing. I had to stay after school to get through algebra. I had to stay after school and then I flunked it in college and then I had to take it over again and figure out a way to do it there. And, and by the time I got to college, I really cared less. You know how you, know, you think, eh, who needs this? That's what everybody says about math. At least you're not good at it. Then there's those of you who are good at it and you think you're so cool. <laughs> uh, well, um, I got a word problem for you, all right? So six people, no, I'm serious, I got a word problem for you. Six people cram into a yellow 1971 Volkswagen bug. Travel 1,500 miles from DFW to New York City. They leave at 6 p.m. on a Tuesday, travel an average speed of 60 miles an hour. Here's the question. How many people live in Idaho? That's the question, you math geniuses. <laughs> Figure that one out. All I heard was the number 666 three times evil. That's all I heard in there. 
That's how all of them sound to me. That's how all the word problems sounded to me. Idaho. I saw Idaho in every word problem. And now he goes on to say this. He goes on to say this. It's not just a numeric dysfunction that they have. It's a numeric denial. Because numbers are so real and they don't lie and they look you... They're so real. We just, we don't want to face it. We're unwilling to deal with it. And it kind of looks like this in your life. You don't want to balance your statement. You don't want to balance your checkbook. Your, you, know, all, you just don't want to think about the, 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 the real bottom line numbers. Uh, you look for hidden fees. You don't, you don't look for hidden fees. You're just doing stuff. It's, with a little bit of effort, you could pay less, but you're not even paying attention to that. Uh, you don't know the real cost of things because you're so used to doing things monthly that you don't even know the real cost of the thing. Uh, you don't know where your money's going, literally. You don't know. You don't see how spending now is mortgaging your future and as Jesus is about to tell us, even your eternity. You're not thinking about it. even willing to go so far as to spend more than you have and use other people's money to get the things that make you feel secure and significant. In other words, when you run out, doesn't bug you at all to go use someone else's money and even pay them more for it to make sure that you're secure and significant. I was, at the end of every year, Gil and I, I think I told you, we go... We just stay in a hotel locally. Um, and we assess our year personally. And then we sort of look at the next year. It's truly one of my favorite times with Gail. And I have a great time with her whenever we're together. That's one of my favorites. And usually we'll, you know, we'll hang out in coffee shops a lot and we'll see movies and we'll stroll through the South Lake Town Center and, um, and look in shops. And we happened to be in one that was sort of high-end, pretty expensive. It's the kind of place that, you know, I break out in hives in. I, 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 cheapo, I just break out in hives in it. So I'm not wanting to touch anything because I think I'll get a disease, some kind of disease. And so we're walking and then it was kind of packed. There's a lot of people in there. And, um, and so we're standing there looking at something. We couldn't really move very well, but there was a, a little, little group of people coming by us. And there were two girls. Two girls looked like they were in their early 20s. Um, and you could hear them talking. You couldn't get by anybody too fast, so I could hear the conversation. It was so good that I actually wrote it down on a napkin. <laughs> and kept it all these years. It's been on my desk. And all you can hear them say, I'm kind of this way, and they're walking this way, and they're, they're like this, one of them, and they're both carrying uh, packages, because obviously they had been shopping, and um, the one in the back says, I, I'm too broke to be in here. That's what she says in the back. And the one in the front, without even skipping a beat, without skipping, without turning around, without doing anything, uh, you have a credit card, don't you? <laughs> That's what she said. And I wanted to grab them both by the hair is what I wanted to do. It would have been my last Sunday here. I know, it would have been my last Sunday. But I wanted to do it. 
because that's how, that's the mindset. Oh, you don't, you don't even have to have it to spend it. So my story, three or four years into marriage, and Gail and I aren't managing money well either. Mostly on my back, because it was my job at the time. That's sort of, that's about four years into ministry too. Three years on staff at a church, four years married. And we about to have a kid, or we did have, actually we had our firstborn and, and we, were, we, were, we were losing it. No, Anthony hadn't even been born yet. And we could just feel the pressure, the mistakes. It got bad enough, bad enough, that at the time when the checkbooks was, were really documented everything you had, um, I actually asked a CPA friend, who's a, still my CPA to this day, um, we need help. And she said, give me your checkbook. And I, okay. And I handed it to her. About a week later, she comes back and gives me a printout. This is like a five-page printout, front and back, small type, of where our money was going. And where it wasn't going. Because she looked at me and she said, you're, you're spending all your money here and you're not saving any money. And she said, oh, by the way, and she attended the church I was on staff at and she said, you don't give near enough. And I fell apart. It was, I just fell apart. A wave of reality hit me. I was humiliated. Because I had, I had done it. I had separated money and my heart. I put them like this. I wasn't kingdom minded. Because of it, I couldn't be kingdom minded. I, I, I took from the church that I attended and worked for. But I didn't give. And even if I wanted to, I couldn't prioritize the kingdom because we hadn't been doing any math. So she put us on a plan and it over, overhauled everything in our lives. Every little single corner of our lives changed. Uh, she told us what to be spending, how to tackle the debt, and how to start giving. And to this day, we still live by the exact same principles that she gave me that day. And they were not easy. But at least today, I could say that my portfolio includes a lot more kingdom investment than it did. And now, 25 years later, most of those years right here at Hillside, almost 25 years, you know, I can, I can say I don't have any regrets about giving to the kingdom. I have other regrets. I have other financial regrets. You know, there's too many kids. I mean, there's lots of things. You can, like, you can make a list. I mean, you can make a list of stuff. Other dumb stuff I did with money. Losses. But, but not in the giving. Uh, 
And I'll tell you, you know, you could be sitting in here today and you could be really, you know, the kingdom is not getting prioritized in your life and it may be because you're a spender. You just can't hang on to it. You're not doing math. Then there are others of you who might be really doing math well and you're savers. And you pride yourself in the fact that you have figured out how to do the math and you do know how to approach money and you understand it a little bit better. Um, But the truth is, it's very possible to be a saver and become a hoarder and the kingdom never really gets advanced either through the, the saver. And by the way, in full disclosure, I went from being that sort of the guy that didn't do math to the guy that hoarded. My insecurity just drove me to either extreme. And I can honestly tell you that at either extreme, you're not kingdom-minded. You're either letting it all go or you're holding on too much. And you can, miss, you can miss the kingdom priority doing either one of those. Still, at the end of the day, is the heart issue and where's the priority? Because you might say, I don't even care about money. That's the reason I don't ma- manage it. It's the reason I don't look closely. It's the reason I don't do math. Because I don't care about money. Well, Jesus is trying to say, I want you to care about the kingdom. And if you care about the kingdom, you've got to do the math. Because you can't prioritize the kingdom in your finances if you're not doing the math. To prioritize the kingdom, you've got to do the math. Second thing I would say, and this is the last thing, and I really want you to uh, hear this one. Because um, I hear it a lot over the years in church people. And I, I, I may have used this one myself at one point or another. Uh, embrace the mystery. Embrace the mystery. What does that mean? Well, it's very tempting when it comes to finances, especially for church people, to bail on the whole idea because there's too many unknowns. Like, how much does God exactly want us to give? There's a big debate in church. And when should I give it? And how do I know I'm giving enough? Those kinds of things. And so what happens is, you know, granted, there is, I think Jesus is saying, a very pragmatic, mathematical, real issue. I mean, you either are managing your money well and are prioritizing the kingdom or you're not. But then there's a whole other part of it where we could easily just dismiss the whole thing because it's not so cut and dry on how much we ought to do. And so we just sort of run from that tension in the mystery of living in a kingdom where we're not quite sure all the time how much we ought to give. And because of it, we just want to sort of bail on the whole thing. Well, if it's not clear, then anything I'm doing is fine. And let me just say this to you. Uh, How many of you would say, uh, which one do you think is more likely for all of us? I give too much or too little? Yeah, quit wrestling. (laughs) Quit arguing with yourself. And force yourself to wrestle with the fact of the kingdom and the mystery. Stop demanding perfect clarity on how much you ought to give. Wrestle with it. That's where the heart is at its best. And when it does its best work, it's when my heart is engaged on any given day about what I ought to be doing with my finances. If you were given absolute figures, you'd become a legalist. And you'd become too proud of yourself. And then you would stop looking at the kingdom opportunities that come your way. You know, I'm already given enough, so I've got God's 
God, I finally got God taken care of. Now I can go do what I want. And that would be a complete miss on this. But that's what you'll do. If you're the one who thinks you're already in the best shape. And what happens is the heart easily drops out of that. And now God has no room to work with me anymore. It's as if I solved the financial problem and, I've, and I don't have to worry about it anymore. That's never the case. We constantly have to engage our heart and ask God if there's something he wants us to be doing with our money today that we're not doing Is there opportunities coming that we ought to be involved in? Are there kingdom deals that we ought to be looking for? Are there people we can help? That's always got to be on the table. It never comes off the table. You never look and go, ah, well, I'm already doing enough. What happens when the heart drops out, you just check a box, and you're you're not really treasuring God at all. You're certainly not seeking the kingdom. You can give a certain amount and still, and still serve money. You can give a certain amount and still be serving money. So don't let that be the thing. The mystery requires that you have this ongoing relationship with God where you're daily seeking him and you're daily figuring out what things should I not purchase that all of a sudden have popped up on my radar screen that I want. You gotta be asking that question. You gotta be questioning purchases. You've got to be looking for kingdom deals. Your heart will never cease to be vulnerable on this issue. So it's never done and over. You come into a service like today and some of you would say, man, I really would like to help these two guys, monkeys, guys, these two awesome dudes. How can I help these two guys do what they're doing? And some of you might say, I don't have, any, I don't have a dollar to do it because I'm screwed up in my finances. Or I'm already giving. No more for me. And God's shut out of both of those. God is shut out of both of those. So, you want to be open. You want to set new goals. You want to make new sacrifices. You want to go on new adventures, like one of these mission trips, or you want to connect to new kingdom opportunities. And you want to be asking today, right now, today, and the rest of this month, God, is there something I should be a part of here? Some way I can invest in the kingdom for heavenly treasures? And so, here's what I would, here's my my, my last thing as you're kind of leaving the door and you've taken the test and you get your poster, here's the first thing. Number one, first of all, there's somebody sitting in here and you might be this person. You've been unwilling to face this and fix it. You've been unwilling to do that. Then Jesus would say the first thing you have to do is get willing. Get willing. If you're not. Then there's another group of you that are truly like this guy in the email. Just unable I'm not unwilling I'm just unable we've tried and we can't seem to do it well then I would tell you take your bank statement your credit card statement whatever it is you use and hand it to somebody who knows what they're doing and let them speak into your life it'll change your life if you're unable to do it and then there are some of you who are you know you're doing a lot of things right 
You might have a lot, you might not, but you're doing a lot of things right with your money. Good for you. The question on that matter just becomes, have I stopped looking for kingdom opportunities? Like have I shut God out? Have I just sort of solved that and shut the door? And maybe I've actually become a little more selfish and didn't realize. I'm actually giving, but I've actually become more selfish. That's possible. So this could be the issue. Listen, this is the why Jesus brought it up. So this could be the issue. That opens up the reality of the fact that maybe you really don't treasure Christ. You think he's great for dying for you. But you don't treasure him. And it shows. The things you think about, the things you care about, and your priorities. Gail and I went to a wedding last night. There's a kid, he used to live across the street from us in third, fourth grade. He was the best friends of uh, Nick, our son. They've stayed friends and uh, now both of them are married and to see how they've grown up together all these years and all that stuff. And anyway, we went to the wedding and it was far away. You know, we didn't get home till late last night. You know how it is when you go into a wedding and um, you, you become sort of a wedding critic. You know, you become a wedding critic Everything, you, you just are sober. You're touching the flowers to see if they're, they're not real. They can't be real. And you touch them, you know. And then you taste the food. You go, oh, that's good. It's not enough, but it's good. It's all right. And, you know, you're just like the critic of the world, you know. We pull into this place and we put on our critic's hat. We couldn't help it. I do weddings all the time. I barge into these things. And we're just looking. This place was beautiful. I put it at some, maybe the top three receptions I've ever been at. And when the dad got up, to do the toast. And he's talking about his daughter behind him at this table. You should have seen him. It was as heartfelt and beautiful as anything you've ever seen. And he's just, he called his daughter princess. It's their only daughter. Their only kid. Only, only child. This is a spoiled rotten kid if you've ever seen one in your whole life. <laughs> and he said when I first laid eyes on her. When I first laid eyes on her. She grabbed a hold of my heart. And then he said, all these, and we got to here, we get to this day here, and I wanted this day. Her mom and I, her mom and I wanted this day to be grandiose. We wanted it to be big. We wanted you to have the food you're eating. Literally said that. And I said, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm going, I'm going, you know what? When you treasure it, the money goes there effortlessly. You don't have to, you didn't have to rip it out of that dad's hand. Now, I'd have taken issue with him on just about everything he bought. (laughs) But you don't have to rip it out of the hands of someone who treasures something. And God, who treasures us, literally gave up everything to come here and give his life for us. And you know how we're supposed to be? Jesus gives this little parable about the kingdom we're supposed to be seeking first. It's like a treasure hidden in a field that a person finds. You, you stumble upon the kingdom in your life, some way, shape, or form. You, you stumble on the kingdom of God. 
and what a difference it makes. And you realize you've got a treasure here. You're willing to go. You, you get joyful, you can't believe it. And you're willing to sell everything you have for that field. That's what it's like to find the kingdom. It's a treasure. So what are your concerns? Do you feel safe with God? To value things? You're willing, you're willing to do the math and then embrace the mystery of you'll never know if you give enough. You'll never know. The likelihood is, the likelihood is you never will. Give enough. But isn't it a great thing to be work, walking alongside him and in the kingdom and figuring out what he might want you to do today that you never thought of before. All right. I did yoga for the very, and I'm changing subjects. I did yoga for the very first time this week. Thought it would just really get my body loose. It almost destroyed me, I'll be honest with you. It almost destroyed me. It was that hot yoga? Almost passed out. And there were some positions it took me extra long to get out of. I found the down dog, the caterpillar, and I was coached through this dark, dimly lit room to compliment myself. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Uh, I was actually beating myself up that I could hardly do yoga. I could hardly do it. Anyway, she was saying, get, all, get rid of all your anxieties. Just breathe. Breathe them all out. Breathe them all out. I breathed until I could, uh, uh, until I used up all the air in the room and no anxiety left me at all. Because the only way that's going to go away is if you trust Jesus for your security and your significance. And you'll know you do it when you prioritize the kingdom. God, we're grateful to be a part of your kingdom. We can't believe what we have found. Open our eyes and hearts to things right now maybe we've never been open to because of what you've done for us, because of the way you treasure us. Us to treasure you that way. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, stand here. Hey, thanks for watching today's message. We hope it encourages you wherever you're at in your faith. If you enjoyed it, let your friends know. We'll catch you next time.